0: Welcome to another exciting edition of the Thoughts Police. It is that time of the week once more where we roll around uh, the idea that Boris Johnson is in fact still in charge of the country. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan is here with me. Very good afternoon to you, Kev. Oh, my, my. Um, I put out a tweet yesterday in which I pondered the question, would we be better off with a cardboard cutout of Boris Johnson? Because I found one on the internet for about £12.50. It'd be a lot cheaper, wouldn't it? Because since he can't seemingly operate... Uh, um, The
1: cardboard cutout would be better at Zoom.
0: Yeah, well, the cardboard cutout would be better at Zoom. Um, Also, it wouldn't matter if you couldn't hear what he was saying
1: because he hasn't got much to say anyway. He did an entire press conference stroke speech to Parliament without actually saying anything. I know. Last night's uh, great announcement to the nation was, basically, there will be an announcement on Thursday. Yeah. These are psychological tricks. There's no doubt about it now.
0: Also, I was told today by John Rental that he didn't believe a word of the actual... um, you know, Wi-Fi falling over. That you actually think thought that Boris. And I mean, this is quite a serious allegation yes. for a proper political that he writer to, to make. That he actually from deliberately yeah. went off air
1: so he wouldn't have to face people like Graham Brady. Yeah, Graham Brady was the next question. Mm. Funny, it crashed then, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, it's either that, and that's disgraceful, or the other disgraceful possibility is that this befuddled old git can't use Zoom.
0: <laughs> well, how about Downing Street gets a slightly better piece of machinery. I mean, Dan Wooden said this. He said, well, surely they could get him a sort of microphone which is broadcast ready. Surely they could put him into a studio in Downing Street. Surely they could produce some kind of green screen. I mean, Mm -hmm. these things are not that
1: difficult to do. Well, as John Rental pointed out on your show this morning, uh, in the past they have actually run cables from Parliament to Number yeah. 10 Downing Street. It's only 350 metres. Yeah. So why didn't they do that? To make sure they had a connection. But that tends to make you suspect that he deliberately wanted I mean, his You can't imagine if they
0: were doing this from the Oval Office in the United States of America that it would look like that. Or sound like that. Yeah,
1: it's just, you can't, it's you Toy could, Town you, stuff. You couldn't make it up. Oh, I press mute, mute's not what mute. God, set you the Prime Minister. I know. You know.
0: I know, it's really quite, quite. Uh, but uh, as you
1: say, Mike, uh, uh, then he went on to address the nation later on. In the uh, evening, and uh, said nothing, mm. precisely nothing, right. except this sophistry that uh, we, I'm very happy to announce that after a month of lockdown, we will be coming out of lockdown on December the 3rd. So go to and one. here's a new thing it's a different kind of lockdown, it's called Tier 3. Yes. I mean, this is just a lockdown by any other name.
0: It's just like keep calling it. Next, they'll be doing one of those fire bricks. Yeah, fire they bricks. In yeah. Wales. You know, have used that one yet. Uh,
1: yeah, and by the way, we're, we're suddenly, so we've been talking about Christmas, suddenly, last. Last night Easter's yeah. in the frame. Right. This is endless, right. endless. I know it's bas- basically
0: bonkers, isn't it? But let's move away from Boris for a moment because I've got to ask you about Fuller, Because by <laughs> a bizarre coincidence, right on Saturday night, we were watching something, um, and we, we stopped watching it. anyway. So I found myself in front of the TV on my own, watching Match of the Day, and um, I saw this remarkable penalty. Yeah, there's the second. Now, this is the second week in a row that somebody from Fulham yeah. has managed to completely fluff a penalty
1: well when it, uh uh edmola lukman uh, last week uh, took the worst penalty ever taken by anyone ever right. in football right uh, absolutely pathetic basically chipped it into chipped the, it into uh, the arms, arms of the waiting this, arms of the this goalkeeper. week ivan Cavaliero, <laughs> who was brought in i thought to, this one was worse to, actually. yeah he f- tripped over before yeah. he hit the ball and it went skyed it over the bar yeah. you have to remember with fulham we have a long and noble uh Tradition of missing penalties. Mm. Three se- three seasons ago, four seasons ago, uh, we made it to the playoffs, but lost in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, we would have got automatically be promoted had we not that season have missed 10 no, penalties. No, really? The t- missing penalties is an absolute sickness at my well, fucking Well, you're turning you into an
0: art form at the moment because this one was fantastic. I mean, everyone remembers the John Terry slip um, yeah. in, in that uh, Champions yeah. League final, right? Yeah. Mean, which was unfortunate for him, but somehow it wasn't as
1: bad as this one. Yeah. This
0: one, because not only did he slip, yeah. as, and so he didn't just miss kick it slightly, he kind of ballooned it over the bar yeah, or something, yeah. didn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah, he slipped and then sort of scooped yeah. his foot under the... But, I mean, to be fair to him, it wasn't really his fault. I suppose sometimes you do slip up, ask Stevie Gerard. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was a disgusting uh, and revolting result. Uh, but I was uh, actually on air on Sunday when that game right. started, midday. Right. Uh, so I said to the boys, right, get the match on in the studio. Right. So I was sitting there with an eye on it. I mean, the kickoff came it was and a I'm bad in, idea. I'm in the middle of an interview and uh, Everton scored after 30 seconds. Oops. Uh, I kind of lost my thread a bit. <laughs> I'm not surprised.
0: Absolutely right. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that people talk about penalties all the time. And there used to be that school of thought where there was no point in practising a penalty because you can't recreate the uh, situation. Well, yes, you can't recreate the situation. Although, at the moment, there is no situation because there's no crowd. There's no baying sort of supporters from behind the goal, you know, wishing you dead or anything like that. So, actually, you can practice penalties and you can keep kicking the ball into the net. So that when you actually do have to try and kick the ball into the net, you can do it.
1: Well, I gather that Ivan Caballero, who was brought in as our new penalty taker after the disaster of the last one. And by the way, that's after Mitrovic missed a penalty the week right. before against Sheffield United. So, so Mit- it's
0: just the third week in a row that Fulham missed a penalty. Yeah, yeah. so Mitro, Fantastic. Mitro,
1: um That's a pretty good uh, statistic. Or the third match in a row because of the, the international yeah. break. But Mitro lost his confidence, so he didn't want to do it again because he missed one against Serbia right. for, while playing for Serbia as well. So they bring in Lookman. He fucks it up royally. Right. So apparently all <laughs> last week, Ivan Caballero has been practising penalties. A lot of fucking good that there did. There must be something uh, to it, mustn't there? Because I think it, it's probably psychological now, If yeah. you
0: do think you're going to miss it, you're going to miss it.
1: It's that simple. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, we've got a problem there. Uh, but we've got lots of problems.
0: But isn't that why it's really... I mean, I find this quite interesting when you look at individual sportsmen and people like Wayne Rooney, who's taken a lot of flack over the years for all sorts of things but he's got a very kind of um concentrated mind so that no matter what's going on in his private life no matter what's being said to him on the yeah, pitch yeah. he's always kind of at the at the races isn't
1: he yeah some players uh, can do that some players can rise above anything else that's mm. going on but there is definitely at Fulham now a kind of collective psychological problem when it comes to taking penalties right. and it dates back uh, way before this right. season as I just well they're going to have
0: to do something about it though isn't he the old manager he's yeah. going to have to get them out there and just go like we're just going to pl- kick penalties into the, f- into the fucking goal yeah. for the rest of
1: the week well uh, I don't want to d- dwell too much on our penalty problems and Fulham and all that but uh, one last point so we have a young manager who I think is pretty good uh, Scott Parker yeah. for- former player and well all he was that. a decent player wasn't yeah, he yeah a decent player and, and a, g- a good little guy a good manager I think uh, not I would say the most uh, intellectual man on the flesh that's not what you need uh, but he uh, so after Lukman fucked that penalty up he goes because Lookman's like 21 22 years mm. old <laughs> so uh, don't forget that's right at the end of the game very mm. crucial point we yeah. could have equalised and uh, Parker goes well the boy uh, the boy's made a mistake he knows that he'll learn from it the boy Uh, could have done better, but the boy, will learn from that. He's very young, and I'm thinking, well, if he's a boy and he's very fucking young, why did you get him to take the fucking penalty, (laughs) you
0: fucking, fucking idiot? Well, he wanted to teach him a lesson, obviously.
1: Bloody people in football, they're so stupid.
0: Well, they can be, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough of your personal (laughs) grief. That's another personal. personal personal misery for the moment. Let's talk a little bit about um, uh, America, because today... For the first time, we're seeing uh, reports from the US of A uh, that Trump has basically conceded, not quite in the way that maybe he was meant to and not completely sort of, you know, full concession speech time. But he has now agreed that, uh, that Biden for the moment is the winner. And he will take part in this transition process, which releases money to Joe Biden, who I'm rather not surprised to say uh, seems to be rehiring all the bozos that were in the Barack Obama White House.
1: Of course he does. I think that uh, Trump's tactic is this. I suspect he's got something out of Georgia. He's got something to show the American people. Look, here's an example of the voter fraud that was going on. I say it was going on in a lot of other states as well. But we can't prove it. But if he's got one bit of evidence, then he can bow out with some dignity, saying, look, I wasn't lying. Yeah. So... Uh, And I think he's right now to finally kind of concede. Yeah. uh, Well, it was going very dry, wasn't it? Yeah, he needs to uh, bow out of the White House uh, with dignity. Mm. And then I am in no doubt he will launch his, or already has really, launch his campaign to be the next president of the United States. Do you think? I mean, I'm not sure
0: he'll want to do that. But I mean, I I certainly think he'll want to be a thorn in the side of Biden, which won't be difficult to do, by the way.
1: Yeah, by the way, I've been thinking, uh, how am I going to spend that 10 quid that Mike Graham owes me <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said to you, until the actual fat lady yeah. <laughs> sings, you will not be getting any of my money. So I reckon you'll be waiting until January. Well, what, did you just talking to people who Welsh on bets. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't Welsh. I certainly would uh, um, And I don't care if you do, actually. But um, uh, Boris Johnson once bet... Uh, Max Hastings, when Mac, Max Hastings was his editor, yeah. they had a thousand quid bet on something, and I right. can't remember what the topic was, it was something similar to us right. it was a political thing, yeah. bet you they don't do this, and they did do it right. uh, and Max claimed, said uh, you owe me a thousand quid and Boris uh, s- sent him an envelope saying, please find enclosed my cheque for £1,000 an empty <laughs> really? nothing in there, really? he's no tourist apparently he's, nev- the... he's never been seen to buy a drink, ever, in the history of isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, it, as, as
0: you learn more and more about s- some people, mm. they surprise you less and less, don't yeah, they? Because yeah. that's the kind of thing you would expect. Because whenever you meet... It's like people that I meet, and you've played a bit of golf in your time, people who cheat at golf. Yes. You kind of go, you're not really cheating me. You're now cheating yourself. Yeah. What is the point? You know, if you're going to finish... I mean, when I used to play, I've told this story before, I used to play in this European Press Golf Association with my, with my dad when I was a bit younger. And there was this old German guy... Um, whose name was something like Ralph, somebody or other. Um, and you'd literally not see him from the T to the green. And <laughs> he'd say he, four. And he'd go, Fumf. Everything was Fumf. he became known as Ralph Fumf because everything was five. He almost whenever he putted in and you'd be seen him hacking away in the woods, you know. He's taken at least ten shots to get out of the fucking woods and he's got five. Yeah, the golfers you know,
1: the golfers are more footballers than I mean, golfers. They kick the five. And to be fair, that's around. what they say
0: about Trump, isn't it? Trump's Trump, a kicker of the ball uh, yeah. kick, kicks the ball over. Um and you know, so we should talk actually about Ivor Key. Ivor Key, who you may or may not our old remember. I'm afraid they're from New um, York, yeah, from course New York. Good, and yeah. Paul Callan, two of our uh, old colleagues that passed away this week. Um, both legends. Both legends. Ivor Key was my best man, um, funnily enough, when I got married back in 1987 in New York. Yeah. And uh, he was one of the great kind of uh, miserable old gits, I think, that I've ever met. And he, he took great delight in it. I was talking to George Gordon over in the States about him, and he said that um, they'd basically... Um, taking his driver's licence off him, which was much to the delight of all Connecticut residents because of the danger he was causing on the roads. (laughs) But also, um, he didn't get on with most members of his family. One of his daughters didn't speak to him, and I think the the other one... um, Was that Melissa? Melissa, yeah. She's out in... She's working for Dr Phil now, apparently. Is she? Over in LA. Um, And uh, his other daughter, he did speak to but he didn't visit. You know, and he was just this very kind <laughs> of crotchety, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly Yorkshireman, um, but funny, very though. funny. But a very funny guy. Funny very guy, funny guy. guy. Yeah. Um, he once said to me as we were driving, because we used to go. And, I introduced them all to playing golf when I was living there. Yeah. And we used to drive up to um, this place called the Delaware Water Gap. And on a Saturday morning, uh, he was sitting in a car with me once, and you know how in Manhattan, if you drive at the right pace, yeah. all the lights just turn green. Yeah, at yeah, the same yeah. you trying to get. And that we started magic to experience. get a little bit too quick, and we ended up stopping at one light. And this old guy was walking across the road very slowly um and Ivor just said to me you know the thing is he said I don't think I want to be living in Manhattan you know as I, when I get older and I get retired there's no place for, for old people and just as uh he said that this guy sort of appears in front of the car and he winds the window down and goes get out of the way you old prick you know <laughs> and that sort of summed him up really that he didn't care very much about anybody else at all but he was a great guy so we mauled his passing and Paul Callan um the father of Jessica so Cameron, who was used, one to of work, your, used, to used to work for you as to, one of the 3M girls. Am girls yeah. um, I mean, he was an incredible character. This was a guy who wrote colour pieces before anything had ever happened. I mean, he was famous for getting on a plane and sort of creating and crafting this beautiful piece of colourful writing and then working out whether or not that would actually tally with what
1: had happened. Yeah, he was an excellent writer. Uh, funny enough, I mean, Paul, great guy, great mm. guy. Every really time, funny guy. If you well. ever walked into a pub and Paul was sitting at yeah. the bar, you knew you were going to have some fun. Yeah. Uh, he was a guy of the old Fleet Street tradition uh, where he didn't let work get uh, too much in the way of his drinking mm. and his socialising, uh, but did crop up now and again to yeah. write great big spreads yes. in the paper. Uh, but the, thing, the funny thing about what Paul specialised in brilliantly, which was colour writing, is it doesn't really exist anymore. No. Every paper had their star colour writer. So if there was a big news story, mm. even a court case, they'd send down yeah. the colour writer to depict it's it... To sort of craft it, with, yeah. with, ..with great writing. Right. And it's, I lament the passing yeah. of that, because you don't get that anymore. <laughs> And by the way, while we're talking about newspapers, what a disgrace these papers are being throughout this COVID crisis. The other day was it, two days ago. Christmas is on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: what about the other four months that isn't on? Right. You know, this is, a, these they're just lapping up this government propaganda bullshit, mm. swallowing it whole and regurgitating it. Well, thank God it. for the
0: Daily Mail, to be honest, because it was down to them um, that the, um, you know, the, the Secretary of State for Health, and indeed, the, the whole Department of Health were held up to ridicule with that ridiculous tweeting business at the weekend, yeah. where they, they tweeted that this is a very misleading article. Yeah. And what's even worse since then is the bozos who've kind of jumped on the bandwagon have started attacking the mail for using statistical information which wasn't accurate. One of them was an MP called O'Brien, I think his name was, and I was thinking to myself, well, I wish you were scrutinising government figures as much as you are scrutinising Daily Mail figures, because you'd find an awful lot of misleading data
1: there as well. And the most damning thing you need to know about that little saga was, of course, uh, when the Daily Mail complained to the Department of Health, Mm. uh, you prove that this article is misleading before you start posting that on Twitter. Mm. Guess what? The Department of Health... Deleted their yes. tweet because they can't prove it. They can't in other prove words, it. Ross Clark, who wrote the show, who wrote the—I uh, said show—I'm hoping to get him on my show tonight. Uh, who wrote the article? Uh, um, uh, his article was absolutely true.
0: Yeah, it was. It was absolutely and true. And also, those who are picking holes in it
1: are picking holes in one graph. Yeah
0: which they say was based on incorrect information because it came from somebody called the the statistics guy.
1: Let's go through some of the things that Ross wrote. Ross is a very respected journalist, writes for The Spectator. Uh, You know, he's not a red-top kind of fly merchant. He writes proper stories and great articles. He's an intelligent man. Mm. Uh, What did he say? 53% of... Uh, the people who die from COVID are over 80. Mm -hmm. Uh, 95% of them who die from COVID have other conditions. Uh, In other words, the government and the Department of Health are grossly overstating Mm. the seriousness of the threat from COVID. And
0: also the argument about the beds, right, which is what some of them have picked holes in as well, Because you see these people and it's like, well, what exactly are you doing here? Why are you attacking the Daily Mail, which is, to all intents and purposes, one of the few newspapers which is actually looking into these figures and examining them and asking questions about them? Why are you suddenly attacking them rather than the government, which has led us down this merry path for the best part of the last eight months with hardly any scrutiny whatsoever from anybody in what you would call the mainstream media? But these people are so intent on disproving the Daily Mail because they think it's a fascist hate rag, you know, that they will go to any lengths to make out that they've got it wrong. And in fact, they haven't got it wrong. Most of these um, explanations that I've seen have said things like, well, The reason, of course, that, um, you know, the the, the beds numbers are different is because they've included places like Moorfields Eye Hospital and they've included places like mental health units, which Mm -hmm. wouldn't have COVID patients in them anyway. But also what they don't say is that, yeah, but the government's official figures on how COVID beds are filling up are also bollocks, because what they're not telling you is that if there's only 10 COVID beds and you fill those up, you're at a crisis point, but you've got another 90 beds somewhere else, which are not COVID beds. And And that's
1: that's where all this kind of delusional stuff goes on. And the Nightingale hospitals have never been more than 1.5% full. No. Well, most Uh, of them were never used at all. Hospital uh, occupation uh, is below average Mm. for this time of year. Uh, All of these uh, statistics are shocking given that the government is telling us we're in the middle of a dreadful pandemic akin to the bubonic plague. We so fucking aren't. Well, I think they should be told that during the time of the bubonic plague, people were dropping
0: dead in the street. Yes. Right? They were dying before well, your very eyes. that's what they eyes. want us to think. Yeah, but nobody's dropping dead in the street. Nobody's dying before our very eyes. And quite frankly, what I would like to see more of is the, the figures of people who go into hospital but then come out again, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. I had a guy on today whose elderly mother was taken into hospital with, with COVID earlier in the year she, she, despite the fact that she was in her mid-80s, despite, despite the fact that she was quite ill and she was in hospital for three to four weeks, she recovered yeah. and she came out. And that's what happens to 99% of people.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, the central narrative that this government uh, obsessively promotes, which is this is a dreadful health pan- pandemic, millions of us will die, P- uh, you know, bubonic plague. Yeah, but have a test ret- even if you haven't got
0: any symptoms if yeah, so you don't know who's yeah, got it. Yeah,
1: it's that's wrong. How deadly it is. Their central narrative is wrong. It's a lie, mm. and it's quite clearly being propagated by them to back up uh, their drastic approach to it at the start. Mm. They're trying to justify what they did at the beginning by carrying on being drastic, and uh, but it's time to stop I think it's, I think it's because
0: they've still basically been bewitched by the likes of Chris Whitty, who made his first appearance for a long time, by the way, last night, because he hadn't been seen for a while. Yeah. But they've now fallen into this other argument, which is, oh, we're all going to be saved by the vaccine. Isn't yeah. it going to be great? You see, the Russians came out with a vaccine today yeah. um, and they're saying that they're going to flog it for $10 per hit, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, if you want to get yourself a Russian vaccine, be my guest. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but uh, they are going to be selling it in different yeah. parts of the world. Yeah. They'll sell it in the Middle East. They'll probably sell it in China. They may well sell it in uh, parts of the Far East as well mm-hmm. um, because it's a lot cheaper, frankly.
1: Well, um the thing about the vaccines, uh, the, the government is like, well, Boris is is uh, uh, sort of gathering around this good vaccine news, mm. you, you know, l- l- massively. And, you know, I don't want to be uh, a sort of, uh, pessimistic about this, I'm sure it's all going to be great and all that. Well, I'm not sure. Uh, but but, but, but let, let's just remember. i sure it's going to be great. No, the, actually, I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure because there are three vaccines, right. wonder vaccines. They're going to save the world. Can I just point out none of them have been approved. Yeah. None of them. Mm. Uh, yeah. And uh, AstraZeneca. Oh, I'm sure they will be. Though. AstraZeneca. It is just to prove the kind of world we're in here. These big pharma companies. Mm. What they're really about is making tons and tons yeah. of money. And there's a lot of money in the coronavirus vaccine. So AstraZeneca announced two days ago, we've done it! We've found the vaccine! It's 70% successful! It's got a 70% success rate. Mm. Uh, AstraZeneca's share price promptly plummeted because uh, Pfizer's and Moderna's have got a 90% success rate. So guess what what AstraZeneca did today? They announced, oh no, we got it wrong, it's 90%. (laughs) My ass. Yeah, but that's like some of these statements that they
0: put out. Uh, from all sorts of government agencies yeah. and government organisations. Oh, I got that wrong. Do you remember the woman who came out and said, Susan Hopkins, I think it was, He yeah. came out and said, oh, it'll be um, two days for every one day that you have for Christmas that we'll have to punish you. Uh, and then they went, oh, no, she got that wrong. It's five. Yeah, yeah. she meant to say five. She yeah. didn't mean to say two. Really? Are you sure about well, this?
1: Well, this whole thing about Christmas is it's central to the equation. Uh, you know, it's not just about this alleged disease and the threat of it this is about the philosophy of the way uh, a free western country should be governed Mm. they cannot and must not interfere in how we spend christmas and with whom we choose to spend Mm. christmas it has got fuck all to do with the government kevin if they do
0: not interfere with what we do then how is that in any way defensible by the use of the science. Because if the science tells them that for the rest of the year, apart from five days around Christmas, they have to tell us how to behave, then clearly it means that actually they don't have to tell us how to behave yeah. because they're not doing it for Christmas. Yeah. Why would they do it for the rest
1: of the time? Yeah, I mean, they are, don't get me wrong, they are going to interfere mm. in our Christmas. They all keep saying well, they're Christmas, try. Christmas won't be normal this year. I'll tell you what, Boris, it fucking well will for yeah. loads and loads well, of it people will be. i I' going met... to ignore everything you say.
0: I haven't met anyone yet who says that they're not going to have a normal Christmas. Yeah. Everyone yeah. I know is having a normal Christmas, whatever I that mean, is. I mean, I was
1: listening to your show this morning, again, John Rental, excellent guy, uh, always a good uh, listen. Uh, but he's sort of putting forward, he, he listens to the polls a lot. He keeps putting yeah, yeah. forward lots and lots of people want stricter mm. uh, restrictions. They want stricter measures. Yeah, I don't believe that. No. And I do not believe people support any more lockdowns. I mean, I
0: do see occasional kind of, you know, musings on social media by people who have those views. And there are people who are genuinely worried about their elderly relatives and all of that. But that's fine. They don't have to do anything. It's, choice, it's not like it? we're saying to them, right, well, now you have to invite me and Kevin O'Sullivan into your house so we can drink yeah. the place dry, cough all over you, and then leave. That's not
1: what's happening. Uh, Sir Desmond Swain, that uh, redoubtable backbench yes. Tory, good guy, was on my, good show, guy. Uh, night, yeah. on my show. I heard him last night. Well, did, did you hear what he said? He said, look... Uh, I've got a very elderly mother. Mm. Uh, I want her to come. I'm going to invite her to my house for yeah. Christmas. Uh, but she's obviously very vulnerable. It is her decision yeah. whether or not she wants to come to my house. Mm. It's not mine. It's not the government's. No. You know, this is a Western democracy. Exactly right. You cannot well, interfere over in our in lives in America, like I mean, this. you'll remember,
0: this is Thanksgiving week, right? So normally speaking, the whole of America basically grinds to an entire halt. I used to, go, I used to have a nightmare at Thanksgiving because I would always mm. going to see my kids when they were living there. And, unfortunately, their mother was never very much help at sort of getting them anywhere close to where I was going to yeah. be. So I'd have to usually fly to somewhere like, you know, Philadelphia, hire a car, drive to Washington, D.C., go through acres and acres of traffic out towards <laughs> Western Virginia, yeah. where they lived, yeah. and then try and get them back to a train that I could get on. And <laughs> I nearly missed the final last train out of there to Connecticut. And I would only ever go for, like, three or four days. It was absolutely fucking nightmare. <laughs> right? But, you know, it's a proper Not holiday. Not giving
1: Thanksgiving yeah, for that. Yeah, it's a proper
0: <laughs> holiday, right? And... Um, my, my sister, Mari, who you know well, yeah. um, is having a little Thanksgiving thing. But my mother, who's now 96, right, and is certainly frail. I mean, she's as strong as an ox in a way because she's now fallen twice and the doctors are like, you should be dead. But she's okay. She's got two I don't friends. I do think your mum's ever going to die. No, I she's, know. Well, people say she's it's indestructible. It's going to be her and Keith Richard at the end of the, <laughs> end of the world. The you know, of like
1: Keith Richard's given up smoking. Has <laughs> he? Why? What for? Yeah, he's about ninety. Oh, yeah, I was thinking I might have
0: done myself a bit <laughs> yeah. of damage. You I, I just found out they're bad for you. Yeah, do you reckon Keith? <laughs> you know, um, I think he's given up all drink apart from oh, beer as that's well. That's so
1: depressing. I know it
0: really is. But you know, she's got two friends coming in from um, the city, from New York. Both of whom she said, look, if you don't want to come, because I think there's a, a, a similar kind of thing in place where you're not really supposed to travel. Um, but she said, look, if, if you're happy to come, we're happy to have you. And my mother said to, to my sister, of course, I'd want them to come because I want to have some company. You know, can you imagine if she was on her own? Never mind just with my sister, you know, with nobody to see, nobody to talk to. That's that's not what most people want if they're old. And it's not what most people want, even with the risk that they're going to run. They'll go there. She said they won't have any contact with her. They'll sit around the dining table reasonably well spaced out. And it'll be fine.
1: But it's their you know, decision. And it's
0: their, pick. but it, they're taking that decision. Mm-hmm. And my mother in particular is making the decision for herself because she wants some company.
1: We've got a big mission creep going on on this side of the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, and that is a government and a prime minister who have forgotten that it isn't their business to interfere in our personal They've lives. They've definitely got the taste for it. As you said they? this morning, Mike, uh, apparently uh, couples can have sex together, but they can't play tennis. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what's saying. Listen, I wouldn't be against is. that
0: to be honest, because yeah. I'm not a big fan of tennis.
1: Game, set, and match. You that's know. fucked you.
0: But somebody did put a, a question mark over the on on Twitter saying, "Can you fuck your wife on a tennis court?" <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the answer is to that. There'll be some regulation against it, no doubt. Maybe yeah. it'll have to be your own tennis. Yeah, court.
1: that's forty love.
0: <laughs> Juice. But you know, the thing is, it's it's reached ridiculous proportions now, where where, where you just there are, there are, there are reasons like the, that poor woman up in. Um, um, uh, Worcestershire, who we've been getting on the The show. shop lady, yeah. The shop lady, who's, who's basically just the salt of the earth, kind of person that you want on your side in any situation in, in this country, and, and what this country used to be made up of. You know, not the dozy police officers who yeah. came in and said, well, I've got this bit of paper here says that you've got to shut the shop. You know, she's going, no, bollocks, I'm
1: not doing it. yeah, You know, yeah, get yeah, lost. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. find me then and watch me not pay. And let's just quickly talk about some, you know, I mean, it seems to me now, I can't think of any other... Uh, explanation, except the government's got it in for pubs and restaurants. Yeah. They don't want us to enjoy ourselves anymore. Yeah. What's that all about? This, they think three quarters of our pubs, seventy-five percent of all pubs and restaurants, mm. are going to close down because of what's happening Jesus. to them. Uh, and the theatres, by the way, theatres in the West yeah, End. Yeah. You know, this is the jewel of one of These the are jewels. Massive business. This is one of the jewels of our country. This is the West End. Mm. Is the finest theatre land in the entire world. Right. Everyone knows that. And. Uh, Last week, I, I picked up the Evening Standard, the local London paper, and I was confused because there were all these adverts for the pantos and mm. Christmas specials and all, right. all the theatres, how to get tickets. So I got Matt Hemley onto my show on Sunday, yeah. uh, and he's uh, the news editor of the stage, the theatrical Bible, oh, yeah. uh, newspaper. And uh, I said, what's going on? I, thought I didn't, I didn't realise the theatres were open. He said, well, at this stage they're not. This is just a hope. Anyway, so
0: what they're selling the t- tickets for something that might well, not happen.
1: Well, I think if you try to get them, they'll mm. say, "Well, they're not quite available now." Right. They're just they're placing adverts for productions that may well not go on, and now uh, they're once again feel that they won't be able to open. Yeah. So they're hoping against hope there'll be uh, light at the end of the tunnel on Thursday, but I don't think there will. And that's then, another industry that's going to yeah,
0: die. But then, do you remember that big row about Arsene Wenger because he appeared at London Palladium? Um, in an interview for his book, yeah. and there were loads of people in the audience, all of which we were told later by the organisers were properly socially yeah. distanced. How can something like that go ahead yeah. if nothing else can open? I don't understand how people can always make these little ex- exceptions.
1: Well, you know, remember Arsene Wenger? Every time that Arsenal an Arsenal player fouled someone, terribly, he didn't see. He it. never saw it. Well, he probably didn't see the audience. No, he there probably not see There was a big audience the there, Arsene. I no, didn't, I see, didn't see, that. see it. Didn't, see, no, that, I didn't yeah.
0: see it. No, I mean it's very, but it's very strange, and it, you know, if this lockdown goes to the end of its sort of time on December the 2nd, but then becomes a worse lockdown, because yeah. technically it it's could. It's worse for Because likely. actually a tier three is worse than what we have now, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's, nobody
1: be going anywhere. For lots of people, it's going to be a worse lockdown. It, it, this is... Uh, he, what Boris... Uh, you know, we said earlier, he didn't really announce anything. He didn't announce, announce anything concrete, but what he sort of uh, announced in principle was we're going to be locked down until Easter, and he can fuck off. Right.
0: He also, I think, said that lots of local authorities, all of these little Hitlers, are going to have yeah. even more strength which um, is a very and ability, which prospect. is very, very you worrying. You know what you they're do.
1: like with their high-vis jackets. Oh, I know.
0: I know. Get back into your house! Yeah. What are you doing out? What you are put you doing those lights out! out. <laughs> well, what about this
1: other ludicrous
0: thing where the people who are going to football matches now will be told that they can't basically speak or sing? So how's that going to work? I,
1: what's the point of going to a football match if there's only a thousand of you there anyway? It's ridiculous. We've got to get out of all this. This is crazy. This, this condition, this COVID-19 coronavirus uh, Kung flu, as, mm. as, uh, as some Donald Trump likes yeah. to call it, uh, does not warrant all of this. It no. does not warrant what they're doing to this country. Uh, the economic catastrophe hurtling down the track is going to be like nothing we've ever experienced before. Mm. Rishi Sunak, people keep going, oh, he's great, he's yeah, yeah. great. You wait in about six. Well, he's months, great
0: as long as he's got our money yeah, to Yeah, you away.
1: wait in about six months. He's already starting mm. to uh, indicate that we're going to have to start paying for this. No public right. sector pay rises uh, and all sorts of well, other... Well, mind you, Rishi- I
0: agree with that. There should be no public... Well,
1: no, no, but, but but this all has to be paid mm. for. Rishi Sunak is going to go from hero to zero pretty damn fast. Mm,
0: he really is. I think we're out of time because uh, we've got lots to do. Uh, a lot of you saying that we should do more of these. We will be trying to do more of them. Uh, but at the moment, it's just one a week, I'm afraid. Um, and we'll see you next week with the Thought Police. <laughs> It's like people that I meet, and you've played a bit of golf in your time. People who cheat at golf. Yes. You kind of go, you're not really cheating me. You're now cheating yourself. What is the point? You know, if you're going to finish, I mean, when I used to play, I've told this story before, I used to play in this European Press Golf Association with my my dad when I was a bit younger. And there was this old German guy um, whose name was something like Ralph, somebody or other. Um, And you'd literally not see him from the tee to the green. And (laughs) he'd say four. And he'd go, four everything was fump he became known as Ralph Fump because everything was five he almost whenever he putted in and you'd be seen him hacking away in the woods you know he's taken at least ten shots to get out of the fucking woods and he's got five yeah the golfers you know.
1: the golfers are more footballers than I golfers they kick the ball and to be fair that's around. what they say about Trump Is Trump's Trump, the kicker of the ball uh, yeah. kick, kicks the ball over listen to the polls a lot you keep yeah, polls. Yeah. lots and lots of people want stricter mm. uh, restrictions they want stricter measures yeah. i don't believe that no. and i do not believe people support any more lockdown. i mean i do
0: see occasional kind of you know musings on social media by people who have those views and there are people who are genuinely worried about their elderly relatives and all of that. But that's fine. They don't have to do anything. It's, choice, it's not like it? we're saying to the right, well, now you have to invite me and Kevin O'Sullivan into your house so we can drink the place dry, cough all over you and then leave.
1: That's not what's happening. Uh, Sir Desmond Swain, that uh, redoubtable backbench yes. Tory, good guy. Was it on is my a good show. is good guy. I heard him last night. Yeah. On my show. Well, did, did you hear what he said? He said, look... Uh, I've got a very elderly mother. Mm. Uh, I want her to come. I'm going to invite her to my house for Christmas. Uh, But she's obviously very vulnerable. It is her decision whether or not she wants to come to my house. Mm. It's not mine. It's not the government's. By the way, I've been been thinking, uh, how am I going to spend that ten quid that Mike Graham owes me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as I said to you, until
0: the actual fat lady sings, (laughs) you will not be getting any of my money.